had the time to shoot. I didn't want to trip, you know, while I'm going down there and giving Mr. Mike a high five or something. I'm not quite as hyper as I used to be. <laughs> it is good to see you all today. Jonah, chapter one, if you want to turn there, is where we'll be for the next four weeks. Um, Jonah, uh, not we're not going to be four weeks in Jonah chapter one, okay? We're going to do just one chapter a week, so it's four chapters, so we will be done in four weeks, okay? That's that's the plan. That's the plan. All right, that's the plan. You know what they say about uh, man's best laid plans, though. All right, all right. Uh, just playing. Um, it is really good to see you all again. Thank you for the visitors, and um, we're just happy to be in in the house of God, no matter what. Amen. And so uh, thank y'all for being here. So uh, um, we'll get Sally to help us today. Um, I think I have the outline in here, um, Sally. But if if you click, it's rebellious Jonah. It's this first one. And yes, we do. Okay, good. All right. So um, what's that? Oh yes, sorry. Um, so, Miss Dolores uh, would love this. Um, and, and, oh, yeah, time out. I just have to say this because uh, there might be some people on Facebook because Miss Lowe, bless her heart if you're here today. Thank you, Miss Lowe, uh, former teacher. She had, um, was confused about the time uh, why, why we didn't have Facebook Live the whole time. Um, and so if y'all are wondering, if anybody you know, who's, who is a regular attender wondering about that, it's because um, I, the, the lyric videos aren't copyrighted. Okay, so we don't we don't broadcast that because we don't want to you know get in trouble. All right, and so we don't live it until uh, until this time. And so I uh, just wanted to be clear on it. So anyway, um, Jonah, this is our uh, Miss Lawrence will love this. Okay, uh, so we have rebellious Jonah in chapter one. Then we have reliant Jonah, then resolute Jonah, and then repining Jonah or pouting. Okay, uh, and so this is this is where we're going, uh, and and I don't know about um, okay. How many teachers, former teacher or current teacher? Okay, we have four of us in here today. Okay, um, I know Sally has. I don't know about um, uh, Coach Mitchell or, or Miss Dana, but um, I have a recurring nightmare every year. I've, I've taught for twenty six years, and I think I've had this nightmare every year but one. I think maybe this year was the only time I didn't have one. Okay, but before the school starts, I have the same nightmare that I have a class that I can't control, all right? I have it every year. I don't know why, all right? But it's, it's just, you know, it, I, I will have that nightmare before school starts, and kids are doing whatever they want. They're rebellious. Uh, they won't listen, and they'll do the exact opposite I tell them to do, okay? And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know if that's just a great fear of mine or whatever, but I have that recurring nightmare. They don't obey. They do the opposite. See, rebellion is not a, not a fun word, especially if you're an adult, right, and you have kids, we don't we don't like that word, okay? Um, you know we want them we want the kids to do what we tell them to do when we tell them to do it. Amen. All right. I, I should have, I should have heard a louder amen from the parents in the house on that one. Uh, I know we're small today, but that's okay. Uh, but I think we'll see in chapter one the following central statement that when you are in rebellion against God, your actions affect both you and those around you. And it's a simple statement, but it's the truth. Okay, and you'll see that in, in this first chapter. You're going to see that Jonah's in rebellion, and, and that rebellion will affect him and especially those around him today. Okay, um, And so here's, here's some background. Y'all know I love the details. I, I love getting into the details and everything. So before we even get to chapter 1, let me give you a little bit of background on Jonah. Um, Jonah was a real person. Okay, was a real person. He, it is not a fairy tale. All right, uh, and see the reason why I say that is because there are some people who will say that it's, that it's just made up. 
Okay, it's made up. Um, this is not a parable. Now, there are parables. Jesus taught stories, taught parables um, where, where, you know, some of those were, were people, some of those weren't. But, and this, this book here is not fiction. Okay, um, it's not a parable. It, it's not really an allegory. It's something that is called prophetic narrative. Um, what we're going to read, and as we, we already read chapter 1 this morning, this happened. Okay, now, the main reason why I, I believe uh, and know that it happened is because Jesus said it did. Okay, all right, Matthew chapter 12, verses 40 to 41. So let's look at the background. It's going to be on the screen. You can, you can, you're always welcome to go to your Bible and look at it, but we try to make it very convenient for you to look up as well. Um, for as, this is Jesus speaking, for as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here, talking about Jesus himself. So Jesus said it. Said it, this has happened. This is true. Okay, it's bizarre. It's a it's a strange story, especially the whole being in a well or a big fish thing. That's that's definitely out there. All right, but um, yeah, I believe it happened. Amen. So uh, now it's also what they call didactic. Now I know Miss Dana and Sally and probably Coach Mitchell know this word, but didactic means a story told to teach the reader a lesson. So yes, it's 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 it's, it's fact it happened, but it's also um, didactic. It's, it, there, there's a there's an intention here to teach a lesson. Okay, so we're going to look at some of those lessons as we go through. Now, when did he prophesy? He prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam the second. Okay, we'll look at this again. Another bit, another thing that kind of, that that shows that it happened because it uses Jonah's name here. And uh, just th- bear with me here, okay? Because to sum up, first part of it, we're really going to apply, uh, but I want to read it anyway. Okay, so Second Kings chapter fourteen, verses twenty-three through twenty-five. In the fifteenth year of Judah's king Amaziah, son of Joash, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned forty-one years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did not turn away from all the sins Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. He restored Israel's border from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah. According to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel had spoken through his servant, the prophet Jonah, son of Amittai, from Gath Hefer. There he is. Okay? Now, um, he predicted, so Jonah predicted the restoration of the northern kingdom's boundaries. Okay, that was his main message then. Now we're going to see he has a completely different, um, uh, given a completely different message here on what we're going to look at today. And while there is some debate on it, there is considerable thought that the Assyrians, which which the Ninevites were, okay, um, that, that they were going through a hard time. Okay, according to my study, um, there are things mentioned about conflicts between them and, and a group of people called the Urartians. Uh, in addition, there, were, there was widespread famine and there were numerous revolts within their empire. Uh, and there was also a very strange eclipse of the sun during this time that I found interesting. So that was kind of, that's kind of the background. Now, so thus Jonah, he prophesied in an, area, in an era when Assyria was maybe not an immediate threat to Israel, and when Israel enjoyed peace and prosperity because of the compassion of God during this time. But God is going to ask him to do a difficult task. All right, so here we go. So again, um, when you are in rebellion against God, your actions will affect both you and those around you. So let's get into it. Okay, Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2. All right. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, against it because their evil has come up before me. Right, now, 
looking at Nineveh. This Nineveh will be up here for now. Nineveh was a major city of the Assyrians. Um, the Assyrians were a cruel, a, a brutal people, warlike people who were longtime enemies of Israel. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to give you some more background here. Um, and I think I think Alex at least appreciates, right? You like the background, right? So yes, okay, just nod your head. Very good. Okay, all right. You, you did very good. All right. Um, Assyrian artwork emphasizes war, including scenes of the following, okay? Execution, impalement, <laughs> flaying the skin off prisoners, okay? Taking the skin off prisoners, beheadings, tearing off the lips of people, and making great piles of their skulls. Yeah, everybody has the same look on their face. Like, oh, okay, that's that's awful. Okay, uh, the prophet Nahum said this about the city in Nahum chapter three, one through four. Woe to the city of blood. Talking about talking about Nineveh. Okay, totally deceitful, full of plunder, never without prey. The crack of the whip and rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and jolting chariot, charging horsemen, flashing sword, shining spear. Heaps of slain, mounds of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over their dead because of the continual prostitution of the prostitute, the attractive mistress of sorcery who treats nations and clans like merchandise by her prostitution and sorcery. Sounds like a fun place to visit on our vacation. What do you say? What do you say, baby? Our, our, our 20th anniversary is coming up. We're trying to figure out where we're going to go. All right? Nineveh is not going to be an option, okay, even if we're still around today. Okay. Um, J. Vernon McGee said this about okay, even more detail. He said, one of the procedures was to take a man out into the sands of the desert and bury him up to his neck. Nothing but his head would stick out. Then they would put a strip of leather, what they call a thong, like a strip of leather, through his tongue and leave him there to die as a hot, penetrating sun would beat down upon his head. This is the people that Jonah was called to preach to. Okay? It is said that a man would go mad before he died in that situation. There was one of the nice little things uh, that the Assyrians hatched up, J. Vernon McGee said. And then he goes on to say, when they moved down, if they were, if they were approaching a town or a village to, to attack to attack that, that town, um, it is said that they were so feared and dreaded that on some occasions an entire town would commit suicide rather than fall into the hands of the brutal Assyrians. Y'all get the picture? Everybody get the picture? These are not uh, a group. This is not the football team you want to mess with, right, Coach Mitchell? All right, this is not the group that you want that you want to be, um, you know, involved with and so this explains i think pretty obviously jonah's reluctance to preach to this infamous city right now great what did the word great mean um there's some theologians that debate this but uh generally most of them agree that the word great was mostly due to its size this is a big city okay a uh, big place it is reported to have been much greater than babylon and to have been surrounded by walls 100 feet high can y'all imagine? 100 feet high and so broad that three wagons might be driven on them abreast. Okay, so this is a big, big place. There are, these walls are fortified uh, at proper distances by 1,500 towers, each rising 200 feet in height and rendering the whole so strong that the city was thought to be impregnable. Okay? Now, also, and you can go to the end of, end of Jonah to see this. The last verse tells us how many people, but it's a little bit, Un unclear. Let me let me let me let me just. It's not up here, Sally. But it says, "And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there were more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left?" Now, okay, there's debate on if if he's referring to those who gave their life, you know, who, who repented. Um, I, I tend to agree with the thought that um, it, when they say who don't know their right from the left, they're talking about children. 
Okay. Now, you know, you can debate me on that, and that's fine. I don't think it really matters, even if it was 120,000 total, or if it's up to maybe 600,000 to a million. If we're talking about children, then you probably have about that many. Okay. Uh, then we're talking anywhere from 120,000 to a million people in the city. Okay. It's a lot of people. That's that's the whole point. Now, uh, they had been an evil people that God wanted to send His messenger to let them know that. Now, I, I love this point. I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of details today, and you're all like, "You're going to be nice to us today, brother," because there's only like you know, a few of us. That might not be true. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to preach anyway. You might get all of it. Okay, <laughs> you might get all of the slaps on the uh, or the or the steps on the toes. I don't know. Whatever God wants. Amen. You're like, I don't want to say Amen on that one. All right, but um, this shows. I love this part. This shows to me that God loves all people and not just Israelites. Amen. All people, even those people. Yes, even those people. God loves them. It speaks not only to the fact that God sees and judges everything, but He also has compassion on all people by commanding His prophet to warn them. See, it feels like sometimes that our world is going to, you know, y'all the old the old saying, you know, going to in a handbasket, you know. And um, but God still sees. He's still in control. Amen. He's still in control. We're going to continue to trust that. See, I love what, uh, what Smith said, theologian Smith. He said, many people in the world today ignore God and assume that he also ignores them. Many believe that God set the world into motion and allows it to continue along unnoticed. See, this text portrays God as one who notices, as God who is active, and as a God who takes sin seriously. So even when it feels like, man, I don't know about our country, we don't know about what's going on in our world today, God still notices, He is still active, and He is still in control, and He takes sin seriously. Amen? All right? I love this point here. Get up. So, um, Sally's heard me say this before, but uh, back in the day, y'all heard me talk about working in tobacco, all right, every summer. Every summer working in tobacco, and if my Uncle Kevin's watching, forgive me today, Uncle Kevin. But um, one of the things I did not like to do is when my, we were, we would, uh, you'd have to unload the barn that you're going to load, you're going to fill that day. So you had to unload the barn that had cooked tobacco in it, and you had to put it, you know, and you were big on these big old, big old things here, you know, and uh, sacks, uh, and we would, and then you put them in a pack house, right? Well, um, inevitably, my dad would ask me to go wake up Uncle Kevin. I'll just assume keep working rather than waking up Uncle Kevin, okay? Because uh, I hated it. I had to go up there and I was like, get up, Uncle Kevin, get up, man. Get up. You know, I'd, I'd touch him. I'd push him. I could put, well, throw water on him. He, wasn't gonna, he, he was going to get up when he wanted to, you know? And so my point is, get up. See, what, isn't that what he, what he told him? Let's look back at the text here, Jonah chapter 1, okay? Um, verse 2, get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against us, against it. Get up, and he says it as an exclamation mark at the end of that. After up, right? Get up. See, this means that God wants this to happen immediately. And see, and some of us need to take the commands of God just as serious as that to get up. But we will see shortly that while God said to get up, Jonah's going to go down three three times mentioned in this chapter. All right, so he does the opposite, right? So have you ever told, I know, this, I know the answer to this because y'all are all perfect in here and, you're, and your kids are as well. So have you ever told your kids to do one thing and they did the exact opposite? Never happened, right? By the time it never happens. Alex is perfect, right? All right, that's right. Okay. He's pretty good. He's pretty close. All right. Let's look at what happens in chapter in verse 3. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa 
and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So now we see Jonah fleeing from God. Now, if I had a map, and I, mean, you know, I did teach, I actually did teach geography too, believe me. I don't think I'm not taught anything. But, um, but, you know, okay. So Nineveh, so Israel, if you picture the map, is over here. Okay, and then Nineveh is way over here in the northeast. Okay, 500 miles approximately northeast of Israel. Tarshish was actually an unknown locale associated with distant coastland. So it could even be farther than what I'm saying, but some estimate to be 2,000 miles somewhere in the western Mediterranean, way that way. Okay, so we're supposed to go 500 miles northeast, and he went 2,000 miles that way. So in the complete opposite direction. Y'all get the picture? Y'all, some of y'all are, are geographically challenged, but you don't want to admit it. All right, but y'all, y'all got it. Okay, all right. So he went complete opposite. All right, um, the opposite direction from them. And then here's what blows my mind: is had he really ran away from God? No, it's not possible. Okay, I mean, I, I tried to myself. I told you my story. I told you, man. I tried. I tried to do what I could to get away from God. Okay? And, and I told you the story before. I mean, I, I'm, I'm drinking, about drunk at a bar in the bathroom, and God's still saying, what are you doing? And couldn't get away from him. Couldn't drink to get away from him. He couldn't run away from God. See, he fleed from the presence of the Lord, but there really is nowhere to run. Right? Look at Psalms 139. Listen to the psalmist as he says it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. I can't get away from you, God. Amen? Aren't we happy that we can't? See, our, our instinct here, if we're not careful, okay, our instinct when we read this story, see, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We love that. We look back at this, my, I can't believe him. I even wrote a sermon a long time ago. I don't know if Sally remembers this. I wrote a sermon about this that I preached at Highland First Baptist Church all right, in Lawdy that said, Oh, Jonah, I can't believe him. And I, would have the, and I would have the church say it with me. Oh, Jonah, I can't believe him. Now, we might still do some of that because there are some definitely questionable things that happen. But my point is, it's easy for us to look back at this and be like, You're an idiot. What are you doing? All right? But we were that idiot at one time, weren't we? Right? See, our, our instinct here, if we're not careful, again, is to cast judgment. And I can't believe he would disobey God. I can't believe he would even think that he could run away from the Lord. How dare him? But if we can honestly think about this situation for a moment here, and, and, and my English teacher, Miss Don, is not here today, but uh, y'all, who I know you taught English as well. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, Alex, you may remember, but we, we, when we would read stuff, i say, try to put yourself into the shoes of, of the characters. Put yourself in there. Okay, uh, have empathy. So let's try this for a moment. Again, Jonah was asked this time not to go to his own people like he did, like we read earlier, right? Which already would have probably made him like, wait, I'm not going to Israel? I can't talk to this. These are my people. Oh, you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? To Nineveh? A different country? And not just any country, but the one that the Jews hated and feared? And may we not forget the part that they tore off people's lips, for goodness sake. Right. I mean, that's just one thing, right? Those people, and, and while I'm here, can we honestly ask ourselves if we ever do the same? And if we, and if we, we are, let, let God spank you, so to speak. I don't think I'd ever say that as a preacher. Right? But, when, you know, because we, if we really be honest, 
that can be us. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm spanking. You know, it's on me. But, you know, wait, God, you want, you want me to talk to those people? You mean you want me to show kindness and love to those people? Right? Yes. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Every single one. See, William Carey, some of y'all know, anybody heard of William Carey before? Great missionary to India. He makes this comment. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him in just a second, but listen to his quote. He says, Multitudes sit at ease and give themselves no concern about the far greater part of their fellow sinners who to this day are lost in ignorance and idolatry. And we sit and we sleep. We'll get to that in a minute, right? See, Listen to what William Carey, listen a little, a little bit about his story. So Carey, when he moved to India, he had grossly underestimated the cost it would, it would take to live there. And so uh, his early years were miserable. Um, he had a partner who deserted the enterprise, deserted the, 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 uh, the mission. Carey was forced to move his family repeatedly as he saw employment that could sustain him. Illness racked the family and loneliness and regret set in. He says, I am in a strange land, he wrote. No Christian friend a large family, and nothing to supply their wants. But he also retained hope. Well, I have God, and His Word is sure. We can probably just stop right there, right? We have God, and His Word is sure. Amen. By the time he learned Bengali with the help of a pundit, and in a few weeks began translating the Bible into Bengali and preaching to small gatherings. When Carey himself contacted malaria, and then his five-year-old Peter died of dysentery, it became too much for his wife, Dorothy, whose mental health deteriorated rapidly. She suffered delusions, accusing Carrie of adultery and threatening him with a knife. She eventually had to be confined to a room and physically restrained. This is in the 1790s, by the way. This is indeed the valley of the shadow of death to me, Carrie wrote, though characteristically added, but I rejoice that I'm here notwithstanding, and God is here. By the time Carrie died, he had spent 41 years in India without furlough, without a break. 41 years. In that place, his mission could count only some 700 converts in a nation of millions. But he has laid an impressive foundation of Bible translations, education, and social reform. And how about those 700? Amen. See, also interesting to note that it seemed like everything was going well, right? I mean, he, he see, Jonah went there and he just happened to get a boat right there waiting on us. And he got on it. See, be careful. Be careful. Satan will trick you. And make it look so easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it just happened. This must be what God wants me to do. No, He wants you to obey what He wanted you to do. Okay? Yeah, but, yeah, everything's going just fine. Everything worked out. David Gusick said, When you run away from the Lord, you never get to where you're going, and you always pay your own fare. When you go to Lord's way, you not only get to where you're going, but He pays the fare. I like that quote. Good quote. Let's continue to look at his rebellion. Look at the next three verses. Verse 4. But the Lord threw a great wind into the sea. So we see, uh, we're going to, you know, this is going to affect him and uh, him and the people around him. All right, he's in rebellion, but let's start again. But the Lord threw a great wind into the sea, and such a great storm, a tempest, arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. I've been in some bad wet water, but not like that. Okay? Uh, the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. I'm going to pause here for a second. These sailors, these mariners were afraid? And that's their job. Don't, don't, don't miss the details there that even people skilled in that area were afraid. 
Okay? All right, that's a detail that's important. See, if I'm not a mariner, so it would probably scare me even a little bit of a rain. Okay? This is a lot to the point where experienced people were afraid. Okay? They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load, which is normal. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down, listened to the lowest part of the vessel, had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up, call your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. And so if you're taking notes in verses 4 through 5, I see three things that start with the letter S. I see a storm caused by God. I see struggling and striving by the sailors. And I have the sleeping of Jonah. Let's look at that. See the storm caused by God. See, sometimes God will allow things to happen to get our attention. Amen? I really believe that. I believe He will cause things to happen that will get our attention sometimes. Uh, and and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that story now. I know I was going to refer to it later, but I can remember when a, when a former player of mine, and Coach Mitchell probably knows, I know Sally does, a former player of mine who, who got in trouble. I love this kid. I love this kid. Tremendous basketball player. Made a mistake. Made a mistake. And he thought, boy, I could get Coach, Coach Murphy to get me out of this. Talked to his mom. That was on a Friday, Saturday. This was Sunday night. He just keeps asking about Coach Murphy. He's asking about Coach Murphy. He said, Coach Murphy, get me out of this. Coach Murphy, get me out of this. I can't tell you how difficult it was not to call. I wanted to so badly because I care. I loved him. But I, I didn't want to interfere with God. I didn't want, I, I didn't want to get in the way because I felt like sometimes, sometimes what people need to be is on their back where the only thing they can do is look up to God. Amen? And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to interfere with that. I wanted him to feel the weight of what had happened right? and that he, he needed to, he, God, God's his helper, not me. I can help some, but I'm not the main helper. Amen. And then we see struggling and striving by the sellers. Man, they tried so hard, didn't they? All right? and we're going to see some more here in a second, but it's, you know, it's normal to throw cargo overboard to lighten the ship, but you know, what's not normal is to see sailors, hold up, let me back up. What's not normal is to see pagan sailors pray. Don't miss this. Don't miss the great details. These are pagan sailors, and they're praying. In fact, uh, uh, you know, these again, these mariners are accustomed to the Mediterranean, and yet they knew that this is not some natural storm. Right? And so they're praying. And then we have the sleeping of Jonah. Oh, this will preach right here. He's the one person on the ship who worships God Almighty, and he is sound asleep. He hasn't prayed at all. Does it sound like some of us sometimes? Maybe it's just myself. Maybe I'm just preaching to my to myself and stepping on my own toes. See, while others are trying to lighten the load of his ship and doing whatever they can, praying, again, he does nothing to help. You don't see where Jonah goes and helps throw some stuff overboard, do you? No, nah, because he's asleep. Let me go back to those three things again that I mentioned. And I think you'll see that this is um, pretty interesting. Listen, it's not unusual to know that God is in control that maybe he caused something to happen in someone's life or allowed something to happen to get one's attention. And then the fact that the sailors strove, I, I, just like people these days who, who try their best and they strive and they do whatever they can do. Right? I was kind of like that. I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. I'm, I make A's. I work hard. Right? I strive, but Christians sleep. Who may that not be our church. Amen? That we sleep while people are struggling. Right? while God's dealing with them, that we come in and we help. Wait, what, preacher? We do this? Are we asleep while others struggle and strive? Charles Spurgeon said, Jonah was asleep amid all that confusion and noise, and oh, Christian man, for you to be indifferent to all that is going on in such a world as this, 
For you to be negligent of God's work in such a time as this is just as strange. The devil alone is making noise enough to wake all the Jonas if they only want to awake. All around us there is tumult and storm, yet some professing Christians are able, like Jonah, to go to sleep in the sides of the ship. What a profound statement. Get up. Oh, I thought we already done that, Patrick. I thought you've already said that one. Yeah, it's in there again. Verse 6. Get up. That's kind of the subtitle. It wasn't in there, but get up again. And this time it wasn't God telling them to do it. It was who? It's the captain of the ship. Again, the irony. There's irony. If you like, well, I wish Miss Donna was here. A lot of irony in Jonah. Uh, verbal irony, situational irony, dramatic irony. It's, it's there. Okay? If she was here, she'd give me an amen, I think. Do you recognize that these are the very same words that God commanded him back in verse 2? A pagan captain telling Jonah to pray. Don't miss the irony there. See, this pagan captain is more concerned that people not perish than the prophet taking a nap in the bottom of the boat. When you are in rebellion against God, your actions affect both you and those around you. Let's read the next four verses. Verse 7, chapter 1. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who, we're, who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business, and where are you from? What is your country, and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what have you done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. See, in these verses, I think we see three words start with the artist time. Revelation, reason, and recognition. See, revelation. See, God can use practices such as casting lots. I'm not saying he's approved of them, okay? I'm just saying it was somehow used, all right, casting a lot. So it would be kind of like a dice, okay? And, and, and they would do this back in, back in uh, old times. They would do this. And, and uh, maybe, maybe it could have been some colored stones, okay, of some kind. Uh, you know, no matter what, Jonah was found out. That's all we know. All right, God used it, okay? Um, again, not saying he approves of it, but he used it. And now notice that Jonah only answered part of the question. Did you get that? So he only answered part of the question. He doesn't tell them that he's a prophet. He doesn't tell them that part. What he does tell them is that he is a Hebrew, which the sailors probably would have known uh, that this meant that he was monotheistic. He, means he believes in one God. Lord God Almighty. And he does tell them that he worships the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Again, don't miss the verbal irony because Jonah claims to fear God, but his actions don't support that. Right? Y'all see that? He claims to fear this God who created the heavens and the earth and the dry land and see all this, but he's trying to run away from them. Once again, that will preach, won't it? Better than I can. Do our actions match our words? Does our walk match our talk? Also, ironically, Jonah confesses the fear of the God who controls the sea, which Jonah is crossing to escape from the presence of God. <laughs> Blows your mind. Reason. Let's look at, let's, let's see reason here. The men knew the reason because he told them. He actually told them. And God doesn't say, he just tells them, verse 10, second part, the men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. See, he's the reason for all this. His decisions and actions have put them in grave danger. Be careful. See, when we're in a rebellion against God, our actions affect other people. They do. And yes, people change. I've seen it. I've seen it with my, in my, own, with my own eyes. I've seen people change. And that's, that's awesome. See, God changed someone. 
but there's also, you know, there's also uh, effects to that rebellion, to that sin, to people around them. See, they were seized by great fear, right? And let's look at the next part, recognition, verse 10, the first part. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to to him, what have you done? See, they knew that the God of the sea had caused a storm on Jonah's account, and they simply asked, what have you done? Smith said, to run away from a God was foolish, but to run from the God of heaven who made the sea and the land was suicidal. That Their question, what have you done, was not a question about the nature of Jonah's sin, but an exclamation of horror. Okay? They are scared half to death. They were frightened to the depths of their beings, said theologian Smith. Reminds me of that comedian, Caitlin O'Reilly, who says, you ever been scared half to death? You know, Maybe we should have the same response, though, and have and, and, and be in that same uh, explanation of horror all right, whenever we mess up. What have I done? What have I done? And maybe, I don't know, I, I added this to my notes here. Maybe it's me, but I, there's some sort of weird comfort in knowing that we're not the only ones who do stupid things <laughs> in some small way. See, when you're in rebellion against God, your actions affect both you and those around you. Y'all stay with me. I just got a few more minutes. You're like, boy, you are giving us the full package today, Brother Patrick. We're not getting out early today. All right, verses 11 and 12. So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea will calm down for us? So we we know the situation. All right, what should we do? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. It'll calm down for you, for I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. See, response by Jonah, throw me overboard. And at first glance, you're like, oh, wow, what an unselfish, heroic act. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's been some debate by theologians on this. I kind of like, like getting into that somewhat, you know. But I just wanted to highlight the fact that was he willing to sacrifice himself? Or was he just resigned to the fact that it had to be done? Because he knew God was going to calm it down. If he did. I, I don't know. See, he, he was the reason. He knew he, he knew he was a solution. Okay, let's do it. Rather than it being some heroic act. And also, did he suggest this because he loved God? Or would he rather die than preach to those wretched Ninevites? I can't take credit for that. I can't even remember who said that in my study and y'all, but that got my attention. See, we're going to see some of that in chapter 4, right, Brother Tommy? You're going to see, we're going to see how unhappy he was with a successful campaign, okay? All right, but, he, but it's an ama- that's an amazing comment to me. Did he do it because he loved God? Did he suggest this because he loved God, or would he rather die than preach to those people? Oh, me, amen or oh, me, right? I think it's probably more the latter, because we see in, I am going to go there just for a second, Jonah chapter 4, verse 2b. The second part of two. That's why I fled toward Tarsus in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sin and disaster. I knew you were going to forgive him. So when you're in rebellion against God, your actions affect both you and those around you. Let's look at the uh, next four verses. Nevertheless, the men kept trying, y'all. They kept trying. They rode hard to get back to dry land. That, that word literally means to dig into the water. Y'all ever rode a boat? Man, I gotta go. We gotta get out of here. That's a gator right there. That would be just me, cause I'm a I'm 
afraid all right, of stuff like that. But they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish. All right, let me, let me stop. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. Verse 14. So they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, the sailors, one, one theologian said this, the sailors showed more compassion for Jonah than Jonah showed for Nineveh. Sailors, a bunch of pagan sailors, showed more compassion for him than Jonah showed for Nineveh. Man, this is this this will teach, man. All the way through, there's little there's many sermons in all four sermons, okay, the, the, the next couple of weeks. So I think this is a very cool part that these men tried so hard. It's so commendable that they tried so hard to not throw the person who's responsible for it all. They're trying so hard. But it's also a sad part, and it'll preach, right, Brother Tommy? It'll preach because this rowing amounted to nothing. The men rowed hard to get back to dry land, quote, but they couldn't. See, sometimes you can't do it. Coach Mitchell knows this. I didn't know I was going to use this story, but just Friday, I'm an idiot, and I played I play five-on-five basketball with nine teenagers, okay? and I'm still hurting for it. Okay? And there were some times, I remember one particular play, Coach, a guy was coming down, he threw a really lazy pass back to the point guard, and if I was 18, I would have stole that one easily and I would have made a layup. You know what I did this time? <clears throat> Just backed up. I knew I wasn't going to get it. As soon as he threw it, I'm like, oh, I can get that. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't get that. I'm 49 years old. I'm not getting that steal. Okay? So what's the point? See, sometimes you can't do it. It's the plain fact for all humanity that no amount of striving to do good things will get us into heaven because we can't. We like to sell, you know, and I, and I preach this in coaching basketball. I'm sure Coach Mitchell does the same thing. We can, you can, you can. Yeah, we want people. You can do it. You can do it. Guess what? When it comes to, it comes to salvation, you can't. No amount of striving is going to do it for you. You've got to accept what Jesus already did on the cross for you. Amen. No amount of striving is going to do it. It's a matter of trusting instead. Striving won't get it there. The following, by the way, is not in the proclaimed, Sally, but, but Luke 18, verse 27. I had to throw, I had to include this because, you know, I, I, I said you can't, and you're exactly right, but listen to what it says in Luke 18, 27. He replied, what is impossible with man is what? Possible with God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, we, we see that the sailors called out to the Lord in verse 14. They have gone from praying to pagan gods to the real God. In fact, I, I'm just if you stay with me for just a moment, verse 5, it said that they were afraid. I mean, let's, let's listen to the, to the uh, evolution here, here. Okay, verse 5, they were afraid. It was general fear. And then verse 10, it was great fear, intense fear. And then look at verse 16. Great fear, and your Bible will say, of the Lord. So it's completely changed. At first they were just scared, and then they were really scared, and then they were had great fear of the Lord, which means reverential worship of God Almighty who controls everything anyway. Amen? So they have completely transformed there. See, it's another point that will preach because people must be willing to abandon the little g-gods that the pagan sailors worship and come to the real g-o-d. 
It was obvious that this was a supernatural storm because it stopped as soon as Jonah was thrown overboard. CSB Study Bible notes said, Jonah, who was fleeing from a mission, listen, who was fleeing from a mission to preach to the Gentiles, had unintentionally converted an entire crew of Gentile sailors. Didn't even mean to, and the whole crew converted. It was his fault to begin with, running away from God. Oh, man, when you are in rebellion against God, your, effects, your actions affect both you and those around you. Let's, let's conclude today. Last verse, verse 7. And by the way, your sins will find you out as well. Y'all know that verse, Numbers 32, verse 23. The CSB, it says, it says your sins will catch up with you. Jonah 1, verse 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I'll talk about this next week, but I want to go ahead and say it here, okay? So, there was a time between being thrown off the, off the ship and then the fish getting them, okay? We don't know how much time that was, all right? And so, there's a little bit of confusion where people say it was in the belly of the fish the whole time. Nah, he's referring to the time when he wasn't in the fish, all right? We're going to look at that next week. See, the, the, you know, and I mentioned earlier, to, you know, about my former player who, who was in jail, which, by the way, he's doing great, gave his life to God and has a family and doing fine now. But uh, I didn't want to be interfering in that situation. See, the same Lord that sent the storm sent the fish to protect Jonah. See, he's a good God, amen? I, I was just joking today. Sally heard me. I don't know why she didn't laugh, but I, was, I, I like to give little giblets of, uh, of my breakfast to my little dog. You know, a little skippy doodle, yeah. And I and I like to. I, today I was just having a fun old time. I said, "Oh, you're getting you're getting manna from heaven. Oh, your father, your heavenly father, your father is good, isn't he, Skippy? He's good. I drop another piece of egg to him. Oh, he's good. Oh, the heavenly father is good. Right? And he's so thankful for every little thing. See, the same Lord that sent the storm sent the fish to protect Jonah. And the same Lord that allowed you to maybe go through some difficult situations." in your life. It's the same one that has mercy for you today. Amen? Just like the Ninevites. He's going to ask um, Alex to come, to come on up. And, you know, and, and another theologian pointed this out. I love this. He said, he said this, the saving of the sailors through the sacrifice of Jonah prefigures the salvation of all nations through the death of Christ. 1 John 2, verse 2, He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Amen. This means that God provides to deliver us um, from our sin and a fallen world. Right, is a, the means? Excuse me. The means that God provides to deliver us from our sin and a fallen world is a sacrifice of His Son. On the cross, Jesus gave His life to deliver His people from God's righteous judgment against our sin. And going on in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, Cast out by men and forsaken by the Father, Jesus offered Himself as a sacrifice that would placate the wrath of God on our behalf. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I love how the Gospel Transformation Bible says it. The notes, it says, God's storms that teach us our true dependence and Christ's sacrifice that provides for our eternal deliverance lie at the heart of the Gospel. Christ was thrown into the storm of God's judgment so that through faith in His sacrifice, we will be saved. So, so what about you? Are, are you a rebel? Were you a rebel at one time? If you are one now, come to Christ. Don't, don't be a rebel anymore.
Because like I mentioned earlier, we when God looks at us, right, He sees Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He made the one who did not know, it's not on there, Sally, but He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? As a story goes that there was a king who had suffered much from his rebellious subjects. But one day they surrendered their arms, threw themselves at his feet, and begged for mercy. He pardoned them all. One of his friends said to him, surprisingly, Did you not say that every rebel should die? Yes, replied the king, but I see no rebels here. Pray that he sees no rebels here in this place this morning. Right? Or if you're on Facebook or whatever. Right? Surrender to God. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I pray that you'll do that today. The altar is going to be open. You can come pray. You can come talk to me. Whatever the, uh, the Spirit leads. So as we sing a song.